This is Bigger Pockets Daily, the audio sidekick to the Bigger Pockets blog. I'm your host, Tyler. And think about it this way each of these episodes is like one short chapter from a giant audiobook written by the world's best and brightest real estate investors. Okay, almost time for the show. We'll get right into it after this quick break. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Meet RentApp, the seamless, secure, free way to collect rent. Built by a team of fintech veterans behind Square and Cash App, RentApp uses ACH bank transfers to deposit funds directly into your account. You don't even need to download anything. RentApp setup is straightforward for renters, and there are no apps for landlords to download. Both get peace of mind with a digital transaction history. That means no more lost checks, managing a dozen different payment apps, or even wondering whether payment was sent. Landlords say RentApp is the most convenient way to collect rent, and we think you'll agree. RentApp, the free and easy way to collect rent. Learn more at rent.app landlord. That's rent.app slash landlord. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. And welcome to part two of How to Calculate Cap Rate for Investment Properties. I am your host, and will continue with other methods of analyzing properties. All right, so as I previously mentioned yesterday, several other ways exist to evaluate properties before investing. I'll briefly describe three of the most common and explain some of their benefits and shortcomings. Price per unit. So the price per unit option is very popular for its simplicity. The average newbie investor can quickly compare apartments at 50 grand per unit to others at 90 grand. And many investors know the cost of newly built apartments, typically over 100,000 bucks per unit all in. 
But this method fails to consider several of the most important elements in real estate investing, like revenue, expenses, deferred maintenance, and other capex. The neighborhood and economy are not taken into account either. Overall, this is an ineffective way to evaluate the property asset value of a multifamily investment property. Is $50,000 per door a good deal in your hometown? Is $150,000 a bad deal? It's possible that $50K is a bad deal or $150,000 is a great deal. There's much more you need to know before making a judgment. Gross Rent Multiplier, GRM. When I first began in real estate investing, I heard that the gross rent multiplier, or GRM, is useful for evaluating rental property value. The GRM is simply the property price divided by the annual gross rent. So, for instance, if a 30-unit multifamily property was priced at $1.5 million and the gross annual rent was $243,000, the GRM would be price divided by gross annual rent equals gross rent multiplier, or 1.5 mil divided by 243K equals 6.2. So a broker may tell you this is an excellent deal because your market's average GRM is 7 or above, but not so fast. The GRM fails to consider expenses, deferred maintenance, market factors, supply and demand, and property type. The GRM also assumes that you know the accurate gross income of this property and the other similar properties in the market. So realistically, it's challenging to be certain using the GRM. Brokers will also often try to apply the GRM at full occupancy with no concessions. However, any number other than the actual gross rent renders the ratio meaningless. Personally, I'm not a fan of the GRM. 1% rule. Okay, so I heard about the 1% rule before I ever considered even buying a property. This rule of thumb states that the per-unit rent should be at least 1% of the cost per unit. Therefore, a property priced at $75,000 per unit should be rented for at least $750 per unit. This is perhaps the most well-known metric on Main Street. But like those we mentioned yesterday and today, I wouldn't use it except as a preliminary guesstimate when initially hearing about a property for sale. The 1% rule can indicate that the property is priced in line with revenue projections, but really not much more. This ratio tells you nothing about operating expenses, deferred maintenance, capital expenses, or debt terms. It won't help you figure out if it'll be a good cash flow and property for you either. As you can see, these methods are somewhat faulty measuring sticks. This is why I propose adopting the cap rate as one of your main analysis tools. And why use cap rate? The price per unit, GRM, and 1% rule are less efficient evaluation metrics than the cap rate calculator. This is because the cap rate does these things, accounts for both revenue and expenses, indicates the supply and demand for a particular asset type in a certain location at a specific time, reflects the asset grade, new class A rates are often about a point below class B, can have a connection to the interest rate on debt, it is widely used as a standard metric for most operators, investors, and brokers. Much can be said about using the cap rate to calculate property investments. This can be a much longer discussion for sure, but I'll briefly address some FAQs about cap rates. Can the cap rate become so low that the asset won't cash flow? Oh, I'm a poet and didn't know it. 
Yes, this can happen, especially when using debt and competing against the big players in primary cities. You can calculate this by factoring in the net cash flow, including debt service, deferred maintenance, and necessary capital improvements. Why would a REIT or life insurance company buy an asset at a 3-4% to cap rate? Some institutional investors buy for cash or with low debt and love the stability and predictability of buying in gateway cities like New York, Boston, L.A., and San Fran. These assets have additional relative property values due to the local market's steady demand and rent growth. These buyers can endure low returns in exchange for stable income and likely appreciation. So I recommend that you don't really play in their sandbox. They're going to beat you. They're going to beat you up pretty good. Is a high cap rate always a good deal? All right, so if you hear about the sale of a property at a 10 cap, it may sound like a screaming deal. But you get what you pay for. There's likely a reason it's selling so cheaply. Perhaps the operating statement is misrepresented. Perhaps it's a C or D class property in a high crime, possibly high risk area. Maybe there are environmental hazards or other reasons the seller wants to dump it quickly. Buyer beware. I heard the cap rate is what it is. You can affect income, but can't affect the cap rate in the value formula. Income divided by cap rate equals value. Is that true? Well, it is often true. There are tactics that can be used to compress the cap rates of certain asset types in specific situations. Our Wellings Capital Funds are invested with operators with strategies and proven track records of buying assets, like self-storage facilities, from mom-and-pop owners, making significant enhancements to marketing operations and income results, and then selling to REITs or other institutional buyers. By doing this, these operators have achieved significant cap rate compression when selling these assets. This results in substantial asset appreciation and almost unbelievable equity growth combined with the careful use of leverage. Can cap rates change? You betcha, cap rates can change. Cap rates are influenced by various factors like market conditions, supply and demand dynamics, economic factors, and investor sentiment. Shifts in any of these factors can lead to changes in cap rates. For example, if there is an increase in market demand for real estate, cap rates may decrease as investors are willing to pay higher prices for properties. On the other hand, if there's a decrease in demand or rising interest rates, cap rates may increase as investors seek higher returns to compensate for more risk or reduced profitability. Therefore, cap rates are not fixed and can fluctuate over time in response to market conditions and some other relevant factors. Is a higher cap rate better? Well, yeah, whether a higher cap rate is better kind of depends on the investor's specific goals and preferences. A higher cap rate implies a higher potential rate of return on the investment, which can, of course, appeal to some investors seeking immediate cash flow and higher yields. It may also indicate a property with higher risk or lower market demand. Conversely, a lower cap rate may suggest a more stable property in a desirable location with potentially lower immediate returns. So ultimately, assessing a good cap rate depends on the investor's investment strategy, risk tolerance, and particular objectives. So there's really no one-size-fits-all answer to whether a higher cap rate is good, as it truly depends on individual circumstances. Is cap rate the same as ROI? No. The capitalization rate differs from the return on investment. 
The cap rate is a ratio that measures the relationship between the property's net operating income, NOI, and its current market value. It provides a snapshot of the property's income potential relative to its value. In contrast, ROI calculates the overall return generated by an investment, considering the initial investment cost, ongoing expenses, and any income generated over a specific period. ROI is a more comprehensive measure that considers the total investment picture, including beyond only the property's generated income. While cap rate focuses on income and value, ROI provides a broader perspective on investment performance. That's a wrap on today's episode of Bigger Pockets Daily. If you're enjoying the show, can I ask for a favor? Please leave us a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. It takes a few seconds, and your feedback really helps us out. Thank you. Oh, really? And we'll see you again soon.